Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The epistle is from Galatians chapters 5 and 6. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. In the name of Jesus, amen. Perhaps one of the most difficult things to do as a Christian in the Christian faith is to know how to deal with one another during conflict or sin. No doubt about it. It's a very, very difficult subject, difficult knowing how to maneuver. Tragically, though, if we were to be graded on this as Christians, I'm afraid to say that the church will get an F. Yes, a big F on the paper. Now, don't get me wrong. Please do not get me wrong. The world messes this up quite a bit. However, we Christians, we mess this up a lot as well. And so, for the sake of taking a fresh look at this subject, let us begin again. First, if someone sins against you or offends you, it is important to pause and see if you've actually been sinned against. In other words, just because your feelings are hurt or if you are offended, it doesn't automatically mean that you have been sinned against. Sometimes the truth hurts. Indeed, it hurts. For the sake of discussion, though, let us consider that you are indeed, let's just hypothetically say you are indeed sinned against by another Christian in the church. What should you do? Indeed, what should you do if somebody sins against you? Well, if you can, chalk that sin up to Christ's cross, knowing that love covers a multitude of sin. And then, well, God be praised. In other words, there are many times in this Christian life, in the Christian church, when you and I are sinned against, and then we can simply, though, by the grace of God, put the best construction on that fellow Christian and continue to love them in Jesus' name, knowing indeed that love covers a multitude of sins. However, let's just say that that sin against you has really dug deep. It's really dug deep. It's wounded hardly. It's affected you greatly. What then? Well, Jesus is fairly straightforward in explaining this in the Gospel of Matthew, the 18th chapter. He says, if a fellow believer, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell them. Work it out between the two of you. In other words, if another person deeply wounds you, and you then decide not to go to them and not to work it out, but then instead go tell a bunch of other people, well, the fact remains you are just as guilty as they are. 
Think of it this way. When a sin happens between two people, it is actually a private sin. It's happening between two individuals. It's happening privately. But if you go and tell a bunch of other people about that sin, you are taking something that is private and then making it public. Indeed, making it public without giving the other person an opportunity to make amends, to apologize for it. By taking that private sin and then making it public without going to that other person first, you are actually breaking the Eighth Commandment by bearing false witness. Let's say, though, for the sake of discussion, that you don't tell a bunch of people, but let's just say, instead of going to talk to the other person, you decide, well, not to play the victim. Now, please hear me clearly. You may indeed be a victim, a recipient of that sin. You may very well be a victim. But if you play the martyr card by hanging your head low and walking around with a chip on your shoulder, trying to draw attention to yourself, or perhaps trying to shame the other person without talking to them first, that is not following the word of Christ, but acting like a child. Yes, you heard that correctly. That is acting like a little child. That is creating drama and dissension, not seeking forgiveness, not looking to restoration. Now let's just say that you do talk to the other person and they won't listen. They remain hard-hearted. They remain unrepentant. Then what? Ah, then what? Well, if they do not listen, Jesus says to meet again, but then to take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses may keep things honest and forthright. And then if restoration is not achieved, well, then you move on. But if it is achieved, God be praised. However, again, if restoration is not achieved, if the person still doesn't listen in the midst of those witnesses and yourself, well, then you are to tell the church. You and the witnesses are to tell the church. And the church will then admonish unto restoration, or the person will be treated like a heathen, like a heathen. Contact with the church will be severed. Now, what we have covered so far is what we call private sin between two Christians. But what about if sin happens publicly? I can remember many years ago, when I was a very, very young pastor, my early 20s, right out of seminary, I was in a voters meeting, and things got ugly. Not just a little bit ugly, but very ugly. A long-standing member publicly attacked the senior pastor in that voters meeting. He yelled, he actually yelled, very loud in the fellowship hall. He smashed his chair down. He walked out of the fellowship hall and he slammed the doors on the fellowship hall on his way out. Very, very dramatic. Later that week, the senior pastor met up with that man and the two of them worked things out. God be praised. Apologies were given and received. They actually cried as they embraced and gave a hug. Forgiveness was applied. Brotherhood was restored. However, Nothing was stated publicly. And so everyone was holding their breath at the next voters' meeting, just waiting for something to blow up yet again. The public sin was not publicly shown as reconciled. Or I can remember another instance, a pastor became unhinged at a pastor's conference once upon a time, and he attacked a bunch of other pastors with a ruthless intent. After the conference session, nobody wanted to confront the pastor because, well, well, that's just how he was. That's how he was. That's how he operated. That's just, that's what he does. And so this angry pastor alienated himself from others even more that day, isolating himself in his anger. And so the point is this. We fail miserably when public sin is not reconciled publicly. 
And so, dear friends, the point is this. Tragically, we Christians often don't deal with private sins privately, but we drag them into the public. And those public sins, well, we often don't deal with them publicly, but we tend to sweep them under the rug and manage them behind the scenes. God have mercy on you, and especially me. So why mention this today, besides the fact that we all fail at this, and fail often? In our epistle reading from Galatians, the Apostle Paul addresses sin in the congregation yet again. However, unlike Jesus in Matthew 18, the sin that Paul is referencing in our epistle lesson is when another Christian is trapped in a sin. In other words, Paul is talking about another believer who may not necessarily sin against you, but instead another believer who is overtaken by sin. In other words, Paul is talking about another Christian in the church whose passions may get the best of them. He's talking about another Christian who is surprised by a sudden temptation or is quickly pulled into deception or error before they're even aware of it. In this case, the Apostle Paul stresses that you and I, well, that you and I, that we should not turn a blind eye to their entrapment we shouldn't shake our heads in shame. Can you believe that they happened to them? And we should not act as if we're morally superior, but instead, Paul tells us that we're to humbly and kindly bring our fallen brother or sister back to wholeness yet again. An old Missouri Senate Lutheran pastor once said this about our reading from Galatians here this morning. Fairly good what he says. He says this, There's nothing more disgusting and repulsive than the patronizing airs assumed by people that consider themselves pillars in the church when dealing with a fallen brother. He goes on to say, The reproof of another brother must be so administered with such kindly seriousness that the brother at once feels that the only interest we have in the matter is to save his soul. It's good. Convicting, but good. In other words, if you consider yourself a mature Christian, you will not use another person's failure to make yourself feel better. Furthermore, if you are spiritual, you will not use the failures of other Christians to snub your nose at their failure and then gossip about them. Instead, Christians who walk by the Spirit gently and humbly help others ensnared in sin, knowing that the next time it might be themselves, might be them ensnared in the same sin, Yes, Christians who walk by the Spirit live for the redemption of their fellow Christians, not their condemnation. It's always restoration, not condemnation. Perhaps this cannot be stressed enough. Christians who overestimate themselves and self-exalt their talents are most likely to be overtaken by sin. That's typically how it works. Indeed, Christians who believe the idea that they are holier than other people live in a delusion Having the opinion that you and I are something special only confirms our foolishness. Believing that we are better than the rest, uh, believing that we're better than the rest, only reinforces our foolish illusion of our own self-importance. However, when a Christian realizes that the sins of their brothers and sisters are a danger to them as well, they can then treat their fallen brothers and sisters with gentleness and with kindness while seeking to restore them in Christ. Baptized saints, I 
do realize that this sermon may be difficult to hear. It's difficult to preach. It's convicting right here for me as well. But the reason why it's so difficult to hear is that when we bump into each other as Christians, or when we Christians are unexpectedly caught up in sin, it is not a small matter. It is extremely important to be attentive during those times. You see, during these difficult situations, if we Christians do not handle ourselves with humility and gentleness and integrity and love and forgiveness, people may find themselves, they may find themselves estranged from the church with fractured faith, just as the devil desires. That's the point. That's the point that brings us all to repentance. Keep in mind that in the church, our primary battle is not with other Christians, but it is with the devil and his demons. The battle is with sin that is in all of us. The battle is with the ideologies of the world that seek to devour and seek to destroy and seek to lead us astray. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. And so perhaps we could summarize all of this by saying, by saying this, here at St. Paul's Lutheran, we are in this together, under the grace of God, together. Each of us, each of you, as Christians, we all together endure the same hard world. We all endure together the same foul devil. We all endure the same stubborn old Adam, that sinful nature. Equally, we have all enduring, we are all enduring the same struggles. And yet at the same time, equally, we have been forgiven. We have been redeemed. We've been claimed by God through Christ. We've been snatched from darkness of the light into our baptisms. We are plunged into the mighty waters of baptism. We are sanctified by his holy supper. We are centered in Jesus together. And so we walk in Jesus always for each other. No matter the sin, no matter the conflict, we are there for each other because we are Christians and we belong to Christ. Since we are in this together, we seek restoration, we seek forgiveness with every opportunity that presents itself. Indeed, because of Jesus, we share each other's burdens, we are quick to confess, we are quick to forgive. Baptized saints, because there is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in all of us, we indeed will not grow weary in doing good and extending grace and forgiveness to each other because that's who we are because of Jesus. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, dear and blessed baptized saints. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you. 